0: Welcome to Watershed's August podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove, cinema curator here at Wassershed. I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Raina Dennison, who's Doctor of Film at Bristol University. Welcome, Raina.
1: Hi Mark, great to be here.
0: We're recording this during Cinema Rediscovered, which is our festival of restorations and archive films. And the closing film coming up in a couple of days at the festival is Kinyuo Tanaka's Forever a Woman. And what's great about, for me, actually about doing Cinema Rediscovered is, you know, been working in the film business for over 30 years. I get to discover, you know, films and filmmakers that I do not know much about. And Kinyo Tanaka was one of those figures who I was aware of as an actress, but here I've now discovered that she's worked as a director. And Janice's criteria in America have restored and have got these films back out. Absolutely wonderful, real discovery for me. And Reina, one of your areas of specialism is, is Japanese cinema. And I'm just interested to find out your own awareness of Tanaka's work and the kind of context that she was working in, in Japan.
1: I mean, she had a career that lasted over 50 years within the Japanese film industry across its two first golden ages and then into the world of television as she aged. She's an amazing filmmaker in her own right as well. And and I think one of the things that's so remarkable about Kinuyo Tanaka is her career as a filmmaker, as a director has only really started to be studied quite recently. Like a, a lot of female filmmakers, her story has had to be rediscovered and retold. So this that makes this fascinating. First of all, the perfect place to be showcasing somebody's work like hers. She's an amazing director, but she's also a really powerful and an exciting individual within the film firmament in Japan.
0: She started off as an actress. I mean, was that she where did. the career began?
1: No. <laughs> So she's born in 1909 and is the youngest of eight children. There's a lovely kind of story that people tell about her where when she was nine years old she was caught by her teacher looking at her B1 notes and so b was a musical instrument that she was very keen on playing and she got caught looking at her notes for that rather than looking at the work she should have been looking at and the teacher made her stand outside in the rain humiliating her in front of all of her classmates who left giggling at her as they walked out. She turned around to that teacher and said no no more and never went back to class. A
0: defiant, rebellious one? A
1: defiant, rebellious one at the age of nine. And this is her story really, that's her story in a nutshell, she's a rebel all Mm. the way through her Mm. career. There's great stories as she goes through about how she should be representative of something or the other and she always rebels against that and I think that's the joy of watching her as an actress but also the joy of watching her films as a filmmaker because again the story goes she was approached by a producer who suggested she take up film directing and she did it because she felt like it was a way of showing her rebellious streak as she was becoming one of Japan's biggest film stars in the 1950s and starting to get a little older and people started to talk about her as if she was on her way out she went no I'm just going to become a director I'm not just going to fade into the background Mm -hmm. and this is her all over I think she's an amazing screen presence but also There's a a passion and a rebelliousness in her work that is just, it just sings from the screen.
0: In the West, I think she's probably most well-known with the work with Mitsugushi.
1: Yes, yeah, very much so, yeah.
0: Was she a celebrated star actress in Japan then?
1: Yeah, so um, she was initially hired by Shōchiku Studio in 1924 and she worked with them for 26 years and they were the home to people like Yasujiro Ozu, Kenji Mizuguchi, um, but also Mikio Naruse. And so she worked with those kinds of directors in her early career. She starts at the age of around 14 and very quickly rises by the age of 19 to being a kind of leading lady or kanbu figure. And through her work in what's called the geki, or sort of stories or or film about everyday people. She then starts to become paired with particular actors and particular directors. And that's what leads to her becoming a major star in the first 1930s golden age of Japanese cinema. And at that time, she's known as a kind of romantic heroine, a little bit on the conservative side, in her representations on screen anyway. But she's part of a new generation of women that are coming through Japanese cinema that are known as the MOGA or modern girls. So it's a new version of femininity and it's really exciting and then she comes back. There's a a kind of languishing period, I think for most actors in the wartime period, but in the post-war she comes back really strong and she's appearing in things like Rashomon with Akira Kurosawa and, in those big movies with Kenji Mizuguchi. So things like Ugetsu Monogatari, um, the the tale of Ugetsu, and Sancho the Bailiff, of course, is another really big movie of his that she appears in. And she plays these amazing female characters that reflect the times and the shifting times that she's in. So kind of around 1948, there's a new set of civil codes that come into practice in Japan, and they give women huge amounts of new freedom, freedom to marry and divorce without their parents' permission, they legalize abortion there is you know a big discussion of women's education so women's universities are given equal status to other universities and so there's a real kind of flowering of female subjectivity in the late 1940s and she Kinuyo Tanaka as an actress is seen to be you know kind of emblematic of that movement and and her films as a director as well reflect those changing times
0: that is really interesting because I have not seen them all yet and i am going to be screening them through the month of August so I'm looking forward to catching up with them but the one I have seen is Forever a Woman which speaks to that point that he makes, very contemporary of its time, dealing up front about, kind of, in quotes, women's issues, mm-hmm. which is, you know, she's dealing with breast cancer, she's dealing with the role of women in modern society. So it's a really progressive, which I was really sort of surprised. And we have screened it to colleagues in the independent cinema sector, and, you know, everybody was, oh, but we haven't heard about this filmmaker. This is incredible, this woman making films about these kinds of issues, about the subjectivity of women. And so she's dealing with contemporary, but she also does historical as well she does historical dramas this is in six films and she covers a lot of territory.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. I think the reason we don't know more about her as a filmmaker or haven't until very recently is to do with how enmeshed she was with the, the second golden age of Japanese cinema. So when your mentors are people like Mikio Naruse who's famous for his women's pictures and when Kenji Mizuguchi your main director in that early period of the 1950s turns against Is this what happened, that there was was a backlash? Um, Kenji Mizuguchi and Kinuyo Tanaka had a good working relationship up until the early 1950s and then something went wrong. And I'm not sure what it is, there's lots of rumours about it, but basically when she was offered the chance to become a director, Mizuguchi was the head of the Film Directors Guild in Japan and he's been quoted as saying something along the lines of she doesn't have the brains to be a director. So it it really is extraordinary, and that's the story of why we don't know about her. Because, through having those kind of powerful male mentors working with her, her own authorship was often denigrated or or demeaned by the the people around her being bigger.
0: That seems to be a general point across the you know film industries, but it seems very particular to Japan where you have these masters as yeah, it were just yeah. dominated by these kind of male you know you mentioned Kurosawa, Ozu, Mitsuguchi These big powerful male figures
1: Yes and big powerful male figures within the studio system who weren't running the studio system there were of course powerful producers and studio heads that were doing that as well but the usual pattern for someone to become a director in that period would be for them to start as an assistant director working under the tutelage of a mentor and Kinio Tanaka did not have that because women didn't generally Really have that so what she would do instead is she had one movie where she kind of shadowed Mikio Naruse, but she just learned from being on the job yeah. and and seeing what it was that these big powerful directors were doing she was also not the first Japanese mm. female filmmaker there was a predecessor in the 1930s who'd made a couple of films but Kinuyo Tanaka was the only woman directing films in the period between the 1950s and 1960s so she's a very early feature filmmaker in that regard and she was alone. There were other women in the industry but there weren't other women doing what she was doing. Um, There's a great round table between her and and international women filmmakers of this time, um, people like Ida Lupino and other women working within the Japanese industry and she doesn't seem to have realised how unusual she was. When you, when you look at that conversation, she's taken aback a little bit by realising how unusual she was.
0: The fact that she was making films at that time, did that lead to more women coming in or?
1: Not for a while. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah um, okay. it, I kind of suspected. It, it,
1: it took the end of the studio system yeah. and then women directors started coming through a variety of different routes. So. You have people like, famously, Naomi Kawase and others coming through the documentary route, doing very personal documentaries in the 70s and 80s, and then emerging as filmmakers. sometimes emerging as fiction filmmakers off the back of that. These days, it's a much broader scene for female filmmakers and female directors are coming out of television. We're starting to get female directors of anime as well, but they are still relatively rare by comparison to male directors. Well,
0: this is a fantastic body of work. So pleased it's been restored and getting out there. We're screening it at Cinema Rediscovered. We're going to be showing all six films through August. They're also going to the Edinburgh International Film Festival. They're going to Glasgow Film Theatre and they're going to the BFI. South Bank in London. One of the themes of this year's cinema rediscovered that's been emerging is rewriting and reframing film with women in it. And the films of Kinyo Tanaka absolutely fit that. One word I would say to people when you go to see Forever A Woman, take some handkerchiefs with you. Yes. Because, I mean, it's in a wonderful way and it kind of reminded me of the emotion of Brief Encounter, I have to say, but it's really emotional. That's my one top tip for Forever A Woman. Just great to see these films restored and back out there into the public.
1: Forever A Woman is a beautiful film. Mm. It's really well made. There are some absolutely breathtaking sequences in it. I particularly like the ones where major incidents are happening around Fumiko, the central character's life, and we see her completely silhouetted in those moments with the action that's going on that is impacting her life, being highlighted and beautifully lit in front of her while we can't see her. There's another really beautiful moment when she's in hospital and she's having an affair with a journalist, and we see a reverse shot that is taken while they're lying flat in bed and he's looking up at the lights in the ceiling and she's looking down towards the pillow. We get the shot from underneath oh, and see. it's gorgeous yeah. um, and just the candor with which the film is shot and oh. the, the sequences. Well
0: that that's the thing that, that, that really struck me about it was just how open it was yeah. about dealing with the subject matter of breast cancer in mm-hmm. the 50s. It deals with a kind of level of detail that it needed a female sensibility to come at because a, a man could not have gone into and dealt with that subject matter in that way.
1: This is a film that has a dual female perspective because the scriptwriter was Sumie Tanaka and Sumie Tanaka often wrote scripts for Mikio Naruse, one of the big directors of the period, but she wrote this screenplay specifically for Kinio Tanaka to direct as well. So it's a really great kind of coming together of two visions of femininities. As Sumie Tanaka was a feminist, Kinio Tanaka was never openly and overtly espousing a particular feminist ideology, but together their kind of rebelliousness and their way of looking at the world and looking at women as real, fully around people who have flaws and I mean Fumiko is a fantastically flawed character she's very manipulative but she's also very warm and full of passion and and talent and the way they draw that character having to come to terms with breast cancer but also come to terms with the end of her own life I think is just remarkable
0: yeah Yeah, no, an extraordinary film, and to say an extraordinary body of work. I really do recommend trying to catch these films. If you're in Bristol, they're on Watershed over August. It's cinemas across the UK.
1: And this is the first chance people will have to see these films. It's a remarkable opportunity and a really important vision from this female filmmaker.
0: Thank you very much, Raina.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: For more information on other events that are happening, go to watershed.co.uk. See you in the cinema.